This is holding down the fort. Today, we are holding down the fort with Matt Duffy, right-handed pitcher from the Boston Red Sox. Matt, what's up, man? What up, what up? How's it going? Oh, we are killing it out here. So we uh, we know a lot of Matt's friends who went to uh, Canisius College, newly Canisius University, right? I oh, saw that, that new turf today. What do you think about uh, the alma mater uh, doing some some big work out there in the last few days? I mean, it's definitely it's definitely big time moving from a college to university. I mean, especially just for like the academic side. But I know Coach Maz has been sending in a couple pictures to our old group chat of just like the new turf and whatnot and the development of it. So, I mean, the facility looks sick right now, but hopefully I can get back down there to kind of just like check it out firsthand. You want to throw a, a bullpen off the blue mound, of course, right? <laughs> I mean, it's the first time I've seen a blue mound in my life. So, well, uh, if I get the opportunity, I might have to. Listen, man, molded's only, I bet. You got to stick to the right kind of cleats while you're out there. Yeah, so, maybe. Um, Matt has gone through a uh, probably a pretty, pretty decent-sized transformation here in the last month, going from being a junior at Canisius College, heading into the Cape Cod Summer League for the second consecutive summer on the Bourne Braves. Um, and once he got out there, obviously knew some things were going on as far as uh, potentially going to play professional baseball went, but went there, made some starts. And before he ended up coming back or as he was coming back, committed to the University of South Carolina in the, uh, the SEC. Would you walk me a little bit through that process, Matt, as you uh, just kind of recently did that before the draft? Yeah, so, I mean, after the – I think during the season, I kind of knew that being drafted was definitely, like, my number one, I guess, plan coming out of college. Um, so, I th after the season, I had a talk with Coach Maz, and we kind of both decided that it would be best for me to transfer either before or after the draft. It just kind of depended on what I was feeling like. Um, so, the decision to transfer was kind of just like a plan B type of thing if I didn't get the money or – if I didn't get drafted where I wanted to in a, in a way. So in that being a plan B, it was just kind of like, okay, like I, I'm going to commit here, but I'm solely focused on the draft. So when I, I entered the portal and within like a couple minutes, I had like a, a whole bunch of schools reaching out and it kind of came down to a final three of like Kentucky, South Carolina and West Virginia. And I mean, I had a tour with West uh uh no I had a tour with South Carolina and like a virtual tour and their facilities are like insane and just their pitching development and whatnot and especially being an SEC school SEC school as well I mean it was it was really hard to pass up so that's kind of where I chose to go but I mean obviously the draft worked out so that never really came to fruition but I mean if that it was a solid plan B yeah, and, and how about, you know, um, I I played at Niagara University. I, was, um, I ended up real tight with Coach McCray, now with William & Mary, obviously. But pretty much, um, you know, Maz, God bless him, he's his own man. But he is a uh, he is a Mike McCray Jr., if you will, in that Griff's program. When it comes to grit, toughness, the way you play, like everything that you guys kind of 
go through. How about on top of that, being such a hell of a guy that having a guy like yourself coming to you at the end of the season, kind of knowing where you're at anyway, right? Is like, hey, you know, do not feel in any way, shape, or form like you have to come back and owe us anything. Like we should be at least creating a solid plan B for college baseball moving forward if the draft doesn't work out for you. Can you uh, can you give a tip of the cap to, to Coach Manz real quick and anything that, that you got to say about him? Yeah, no. Uh, Maz has definitely been by my side when it comes to, well, I mean, he was one of the guys who recruited me to come to Canisius, but he's been along my side. He supported me throughout, like, my whole journey at Canisius. I mean, obviously, giving me well, giving his trust in me to make me a starter in my freshman year and start in the playoffs, but to also continue that and support me while starting me both my sophomore and junior year the whole time. So, I mean, kudos to him for believing in me in that way. And I mean, Maz is very much along the like mental route of things when it comes to like playing baseball. So he kind of like when stuff was, he would always tell us about how things were like a roller coaster. So when we're riding a high, it's always good to stay kind of mellow. But then when things go down, when things go down, you're always just trying to work on things to get back up there. So, I mean, uh, I I love Maz as a coach, and I'm obviously I'm gonna miss him. But uh, I mean, uh, Maz, he was he was just a great guy. So I mean, I, I'm gonna miss him as a coach. Yeah, and I think, you know, it, it speaks to the program. It speaks to him as a coach. I always say, you know, we haven't had the chance to to work together at all. But, like, we want to hang your pro jersey on the wall, right? Like, we don't hang college jerseys on the wall. And I think Maz kind of tips the cap to, like, promoting guys to the next level is the ultimate, like, the ultimate thing that speaks back to your program, especially as a, a small private max school where like you have to be an academic guy you have to be willing to not end up with a full ride a lot of the time right like yeah. we have to kind of we got to find good dudes from certain places and kind of building off that so we're from canada originally tell me a little bit about you your family your brother and how that path kind of lined up through high school and ended, and ended up being at Canisius. Yeah, no. So I was, uh, so I'm from Burlington, Ontario. It's like 30 minutes from Toronto. Um, I started playing baseball when I was really young, probably around the ages of five or six. And my dad put me and my brother both in baseball because he played uh, pro baseball for two years. He was signed by the uh, Tigers when he was like 17. And then oh, so a high, high school guy. Yeah, so he was a high school guy. Well, he was a high school guy, but he was also signed two years before the draft was even a thing. So, like, he he wouldn't have been able to get drafted anyways. Wow. But, but, yeah, so he got signed by the Tigers, and then he ended up he ended his career with the the Kansas City A's at the time, who are now the Oakland A's, obviously. Yeah. So he went to spring training there, but then he ended up getting hurt. So whatever, but. He kind of played well, like you and you and Aaron do. Yeah, right, right-handed pitcher, just like my brother and I. So he put my brother and I in baseball. Just kind of continued that path throughout. Um, I just played with my local rep teams growing up until about the age of thirteen, and then I went to a travel ball team called the Fieldhouse Pirates. They're based out of Burlington, and they're part yeah, of the. Oh, we know some guys that have been up there. I think uh, Zach Cameron might have played for them. Was in Niagara. Yes, sir. That, Matt Cross has been up there and, and worked with them again after uh, after he's been in pro baseball. So 
um, awesome facilities right out there, out there in Ontario. Yeah. Um, one of the best teams in the area. Yeah. So Zach was actually on the 14U team when I first joined. So I joined the 13U team when I first got there and Zach was on the 14U team. No. So I was, I was there for three years. I mean, had a great time, but then ended up leaving and went to the Great Lake Canadians who are based out of uh, London, Ontario. It's like yeah. an hour, hour 20 from my house. Um, was there for, I believe, four years and ended up getting recruited out there from Canisius. Um, I mean, I guess I'll go on to how I got recruited out of Canisius. So um, Brendan Balecki, the pitching coach at the time, uh came Absolute to <laughs> yeah so brendan blecky came out to watch actually will watson who uh went to kansas state out of high school and then ended up transferring to west virginia so yeah. he, he was playing for fieldhouse at the time and me and him like had like a pitching duel that day and i guess i did better than him so then bb started recruiting me so it was it was kind of cool in a way that that's kind of how that started and then Maz started coming to the games. I think he came to two or three. And then they finally saw me at the tournament 12 tournament in uh, Toronto, where all like the, I guess, best players from Canada go to play each other. Probably usually the, the main event for all of our guys out, out at Sky Dome, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I mean, some of my teammates on Canisius, like Carlin Dick, Max, Grant, Levi Abbott, everyone was there. My brother was there too. So. Yeah, and it, that that's a big big event for uh Canadians when it comes to getting uh recruited for colleges. But um, yeah, so they ended up being really my only D one offer, and I wanted to go D one. And I mean, Canisius is close to my house; it's like hour fifteen. So I probably, mean, probably a little bit closer than Great Lakes Canadians, right? <laughs> yeah, I it's probably the same distance. So I mean, comes on the border out here, but sure. <laughs> yeah. But uh, being able to visit with Maz and BB in my visit and being able to walk around the campus, I knew it was a good fit. So, uh, I mean, obviously, I'm happy with my choice. Oh, of course, of course. And so uh, in that, you know, the the only D1 offer and really kind of knowing that you wanted to play there, obviously, they, their program speaks for itself as far as a, a winning program goes. Um, any other offers that were on the table kind of until late where you were like, man, I really might – might consider any of these other places or was Canisius kind of a runaway once it became an option yeah so me myself and my dad I remember this vividly so it was either between Canisius or Johnson County which is uh in Kansas it's like a it's a pretty good juco down there we send a lot of Ontario guys there if I'm not mistaken right That's a, I, I believe so I think that I there was definitely a couple when I was looking there but so it was either them or Canisius and me and my dad were talking at the dinner table one day. And I remember I just told him, I was like, all right, I just want to go to Canisius. I don't want to travel 16 hours. So I ended up, I, that was pretty much when I chose to go there, but that's really the only two schools that I was like weighing options for, because all my other offers were either just like lower level, like D twos, D threes. And so those were really the only two. That's awesome. So Canisius obviously saw something major, right? Like, what do you think, what stood out at T12? What stood out, you know, obviously a pitching duel against one of the top pitching prospects is going to Kansas State. We talked to Cole Dunsing in season one, who has played for the Angels, the White Sox, um, the Dodgers, and like 
he pitched against Riley Pint, who went first, you know, first round, eighth overall the year out of high school when he was a can, you know, a Kansas senior. And it's like, hey, it just seems so often like you going about things the right way, you doing kind of your own routine stuff, like just kind of having your own stuff and guys picking up on like, hey, this guy's going to come in and like be a good fit. What do you think they saw in your game that, that really helped you stand out from anybody else who was up there? I think for me, it's definitely my pitch ability. Um, I've always been I've always been able to throw strikes ever since I started like pitching from a mound. So I've not that's kind of been like my go to, I guess, uh, when asked that question. So I guess just my command and pitch ability and ability to throw strikes with three different pitches. So I think that's kind of what they saw in me. And they knew that like my velo was growing a little bit. I like I hit 90 for the first time in like grade my gap year. So after grade 12. Um wow, okay. So, yeah. So I actually committed to right, right by that time we're well committed, correct? No, so I I committed to Canisius in October of my gap year. So I like I pretty much had to take a gap year because I had no no like interest from any schools so that's yeah hey that that, that happens right in canada way more way more kind of common right to have that that extra year yeah a, a lot of people take yeah. the gap here are we uh now so are were we on the younger side for like what would have been our normal graduating class then yeah so i'm born in october so i was on the later side so i was i was able to reclass that's awesome. That's awesome. So I know, um, you know, we've talked about how we've ended up at Canisius and kind of the things that go about it. Like pitchability is a, is a huge thing, right? We work with young kids at the facility all the way up to pro guys. And it's like, Hey, I find so commonly once we've, you know, established at what age you can learn a breaking ball kind of properly, right. Physically. And the changeup's kind of been there since, you know, since I've met you, whoever it is, because I think it's one of the greatest things on the face of the earth, like being able to throw something at the same arm speed that's eight to 10 miles an hour slower, like makes yeah. a lot of sense to me, right? We, pitchability, I keep finding myself, hey, you're more likely to make your modified team if you can land a 2-0 breaking ball. Hey, you're way more likely to make your JV team if you can land a 2-0 breaking ball. Yeah. You're way more likely to make your varsity team if you can land that 2-0 breaking ball. Like, hey, what gets you recruited a lot of the time? It's like, well, Velo kind of it lines up with a a bunch of other guys sometimes, right? Well, who throws the most strikes? Who's getting the most outs? And then it starts to become, well, how do you get the most outs? Well, like Matt Duffy throwing 2-0 breaking ball since he was 14 has a lot of confidence in a playoff start as a freshman against the best hitter that he faces to go, hey, this is the pitch to go to, and I know I can land it, right? So that pitch ability, does that come from – We you said we've always just thrown strikes. Is that playing catch with dad? Is that instruction from dad? How did we kind of get to that guy who could always just throw strikes? Yeah, 100% from my dad. So <laughs> when, when I started learning <laughs> – yeah, so when I started just learning how to throw and just like – learning the basic mechanics of pitching. My dad pretty much simplified it into like, I believe it was like 10 different things, uh, 10 different parts of the mechanics. So my brother and I, obviously we're on teams. So my dad worked with those teams to kind of like 
plant a seed, I guess, when we started. Yeah, we always had a, at least a little bit of a role in, in the teams that we were playing on. Yeah. So my dad coached us until we were like the age of 13. And then he stopped coaching after that. So, but he, he, he usually <laughs> coached my brother's teams and not mine. So Eric, my brother was fortunate enough with that, but I think just being able to simplify my mechanics and not like kind of focus more on like velocity. I mean, obviously at that age, you're not really focusing on velocity, but just being able to simplify mechanics makes it a lot easier to try and throw different pitches. Like I really only threw a fastball change up up to maybe when I was like 12, 13 years old. And then I started implementing a curveball, but it's not like I threw it that much. So I already had that feel for a changeup. Like I I started throwing a changeup maybe when I was like 10 and I still use the same grip. So it's more of like a feel thing. Like I, I still throw the same pitches. It's just like, I've gotten so used to it that I'm able to throw it for a strike and kind of any count. Yeah, we, I mean, like, if, if it was like, hey, throw it at Aaron's eyeball, right? We can do that from 90 feet away, right? Hey, yeah. throw it at dad's knee from 54 feet when we were working out, right? Like, that's, it's just, I believe, you know, you summed it up perfectly. And change-ups are a very much feel thing, right? And if you can stick with a grip that you feel like you can control and you can throw it, like, off of your fastball or in replacement of your fastball, they're two different pitches. And having feel for that second one, like you're just automatically an easier weapon. So talking pro ball stuff, right? Boston Red Sox end up being the team, but I know that there were a lot of teams interested. Will you take us through that uh, that process of going to the Cape this summer, coming home from the Cape this summer, and really kind of narrowing down exactly what we were going to do? Yeah, so at the start of the season, we uh... – well, actually, I think the scouting for Murray, for me really ended or started in the summer prior when I went to the Cape there. So I didn't really talk to any teams in the Cape when I was there for the first time. But then I ended up going to like a Red Sox versus uh, Yankees. It's like the Kelly Rodman Foundation game. Yeah, actually, the crossover game at Fenway Park. Yeah. So yeah. I still have a bracelet from that game. It's on my wrist. Woo! But, um so that's when I first got, got scouted by the Red Sox and the Red Sox and the Braves and the Yankees were all scouting me at that point. So then nothing really came out of that. It was just kind of like maybe a couple like prospect links and whatnot, just like, like questionnaires. Yeah. Fill out the questionnaires, just kind of get on the radar. Yeah. Yeah. So during the fall, I didn't throw it all at Canisius. So I was just down and uh, I started getting questionnaires on questionnaires and I started filling those out. And when it came to our first game of the season, we faced Boston College. And I'll always remember that I was throwing my pregame pen and there was like 20 scouts like lining the pen, just watching. And I was like, wow, this is like, this is insane. And I've like talked to most of the guys that were surrounding. It. I was like, I was like, this is, like, this is cool. So I that kind of progressed yeah, they're, throughout. They're the year. really here, right? Like it's, it's yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it, it, wow factor for us for sure. Yeah, this is like a real thing. So during the year, one of the Red Sox scouts, so Ray Fagnant, he was the guy that scouted me. He came yeah. to like four or five of our games, and I feel like every game that he came to, I pitched well. Like mm -hmm. he came to Marshall when it was like, th feels like twenty five out, and I oh, like. 
I threw six innings and had 13 Ks and like, I just said, I just did really well. So, but I, th- I feel like every game he came to, I did well, but that was just kind of a steady thing throughout the year. Like uh, there was a, probably four or five scouts at each game and people were starting to ask me, started to ask me when I was going to be like pitching. Yeah. So after the season and like, I thought I did pretty well during the season. So I knew that getting drafted was like now a real thing. Like it was probably going to happen, but then it was more so a case like when, so talking, I met up with my agent at the start of uh, the 2022 fall. So after, after that Kelly Rodman foundation game, so he had been talking with teams. So if you don't mind me asking, is that where they kind of locked this down? Or did you have someone kind of that you were already already in with before that? No. Um, no, he uh he pretty much just met he met me in the Cape and we just kind of had a connection there. Like we went out to dinner with my mom and my mom loved him. So that's just how that No, that's that, just, no, that's perfect. I just want like I was I just always love how when that starts to happen, it, it becomes even more real, right? We have someone advising us on decisions that are going to happen in the next year or so. It becomes more of a, wow, this is really happening, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so when it came to the summer, I knew there was probably around like seven to eight teams that had like a high interest on me. And that kind of followed throughout the Cape because then I ended up pitching well there. So then those same seven or eight teams. So it was like, I think the Jays, the Rays were high on me. Uh, the Angels, Brewers, um, Yankees, Red Sox, the A's, and someone else. But those were definitely a good handful of teams that would have like a super high interest on in me around like the round two, like maybe early, maybe late. Yeah. But heading into the heading into the draft, I had no clue when I was gonna be taken. Like I was hearing every, every year it's a it's a roulette wheel, right? <laughs> yeah. So I was hearing like round four at the earliest and like round 10. So I was like, all right, so it's either it's day two at like it's just gonna be day two. I don't know when. Yeah. So I knew that the Red Sox were high on me. Um because I then also went to uh, the draft workout at uh, the pre-draft workout at Fenway. Yeah. So they, they, I threw a pen there and most of their scouting directors and whatnot saw me there. So that was was pretty cool to, to do that. But I kind of, I declined other draft workouts to go there because like a lot of them were kind of clustered in the same time frame, So I can only do one, especially as a pitcher. As a hitter, you could do as many as you want because you're well, yeah, you can, I, could, I could fly out of Boston to LA, right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah. And then when it came to draft day, I knew that it was either going to be Boston or a couple other teams. And I thought I was going to go with the fourth round comp pick, which was like around 132, I believe, 133. Yep. And then, um, was that hey I uh, I might have might have had some inside information from a uh, a Canisius friend. Was that a Guardians pick, if I'm not mistaken? <laughs> no, that 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 was still the Red Sox pick. The Red Sox had a comp pick, but then uh the Guardians were also high on me in like the fourth, fifth, sixth round area. Um so strong, uh, strong doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. We'll say that. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So when it came to draft day, it was more so just my agent calling me and telling me how teams were like viewing me, I guess, because no teams were calling me. It was all my agents. So, well, I told my agent, I was like, take all the calls because I I don't want to talk to anyone because I knew that my bargaining skills would be terrible compared to his. That's what he's there for, right? <laughs> yeah. but, that, but that's what he's there for. So I said that like, <laughs> you, you do you. And then I'll, I'll just sit back and just be like, all right, like, cool. So uh, he told me that the Red Sox were going to take me with their comp pick. And I said, all right, cool. So I got to pick 110. And then my agent called me and he's like, you're going now. And I was like, oh, I was like, oh, oh, my God. So then I walked. So then I walked into the room and it was I was in Jupiter, Florida at the time because my brother uh, is working out down there at the Cressy <laughs> Performance Center. Cressy, yep, yep, yep. I've seen seen lots of pictures. Yeah. Cole Murray and the boys. Yeah, so he's down there with obviously Cole Murray and two other guys. And um they they were there. <laughs> they all started pulling out their phones because they knew that it was about to happen. And I was just like when I came back from the call, I just like was smiling because I knew it was about to happen. And obviously five picks later at pick one fifteen, I got drafted. So it was just kind of a surreal moment, I guess. Yeah, try to. I know everyone. You know, if you're interviewed in a, a big moment here, I, I'm lost for words. Right, looking back on it now with friends, family, those guys there, and mom, dad there, like sum it up in a in a couple of words. Right, the hugs, everything. Like it is surreal, right? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I literally, I literally got the call, and after the call, I couldn't stop smiling. <laughs> I, I was just, I was so overjoyed. And I could tell that like my parents started getting emotional. So like I knew like it was just a super like again, I like I'm speechless. Like it's <laughs> it's just it, it was just such a cool moment for both my family and like obviously the guys that were behind me too. But it was just it, it was awesome. It was it was a good uh it was a good few minutes of just like I, I don't even know. We'll, we'll remember, right? So that's it's right. Those are, those are life changing moments, right? Seeing that name come up on the screen changes all the work we've done, where we've been, what we're doing now. Like it just changes completely. Right. So that's, that's day two. And it's probably like, Hey, we'll see you on Sunday. Right. Whenever you end up talking to them after. So walk us through now here in the last, uh, the last little bit here, getting out there, going through the process, signing and, and obviously what you're doing now. Yeah, so I got flown out to Fort Myers, Florida, which is obviously where the Red Sox camp is uh, set. Um, I flew down there probably a week after the draft because after I was drafted, like the next day we left Florida. So I was down, I was home for like a week. Yeah, yeah. Crossing the off the list. <laughs> yeah. So I flew down. Um, I arrived on Sunday and I ended up signing on Friday because we had to go through like physicals, presentations, like everything Red Sox. So we had to kind of get accustomed to that. And then we finally signed. So that, that was, it was kind of the, the 6 a.m. blood work, right? Where you wait in line for hours. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So the first day we were there was obviously Monday and we had to wake up at, I think it was five in the morning to go get blood work. So that, that was the first thing we did, but yeah, I mean, it was definitely a strenuous process to get signed. And I mean, it was definitely a relief once it happened. Cause we're like, ha, like we can finally, we can finally do stuff. 
So right, that, that that draft day is such a once again you go back to the Maz roller coaster, right? That draft day is such a high. And oh then yeah. Someday we get there and we're like, oh man, like I gotta earn it this week, right? Like I oh, got yeah. there are things that they're making me do in order to get to get to this signing day, and then all of a sudden it's hey, it's not a low by any means, but it's like hey, like there are things to be done. Like you don't want to show up to late to that. You don't, you want to make sure your alarm goes off at five. I don't know why it seems 5 a.m. is the time for blood work across all organizations. But I recall even as a coach that that's when my appointment was made for as yep. well. It's like, it just seems like a test for being out there on day one. It's like, Hey, let's get you all up and poke you with some needles. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So since I signed, I've pretty much just like, I'm on a ramp up to throw. Um, I'm probably going to throw live and like, I mean, I don't know my exact plan yet, but maybe like two to three weeks, but the FCL season ends the 22nd. So I'm not totally sure where I'll be throwing live, but um, we'll see. But uh, I mean, I, I'm enjoying my time down here. We, uh, we pretty much just get up, do our work in the hundred degree heat. And then come back to the hotel and just chill for the rest of the day. So it's pretty. You got, pretty... You got probably uh, two meals on site while you're at the facility. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So we eat breakfast and lunch there, and and the food's really good. So I can't complain. No, yeah, you know, we probably don't even we probably don't experience much outside of the complex because you get to that's that endless endless kind of food while you're there, and it's so good. We just load up and come back to the hotel and want to crash, right? yeah i know i mean the only food the only money that i've really spent here has literally just been on food for dinner so i mean i i can't complain at all like at, like the hospitality and whatnot has been great so i i can't complain that's awesome man well so i'm gonna run through a couple of just like uh random questions get uh the people who listen to the show to to know you a little bit better um obviously you handle let's say challenging situations with a calm community. You talk about 20 scouts surrounding a bullpen in your first weekend or a playoff start as a freshman. Talk to me about some of the things that kind of have brought you through that process to just be so calm, so kind of present in those moments. Yeah. I mean, I think it just stems from my personality. Like I'm a very, I'm not shy, but I'm just very like, calm and collected in a way so I think on the mat it just transitions to the mound like I'm very composed and my dad my dad has really kind of installed that into both my brother and I just to stay composed because you don't want to give the opponent like the extra edge when like they know if you're defeated or if they know that you're having a rough time out there so just being able to stay composed especially in big moments like say that playoff game and whatnot so I think that's definitely big Listen, I think, you know, it, that stays consistent across anybody who's made it to our level. Brennan Morse, who got drafted out of NCCC, played with us for the uh, the Niagara Power this past summer for a few starts before he got drafted. Literally got taken by the Rangers on day three, had no idea what was happening. Just And, like, one of the things when I asked him, I was like, hey, like, what did they see in you? He was like, my dad really instilled in me very young this composure factor. Like, yeah. what is it about that piece of the game where, you know, big league baseball and college baseball has turned into this high back and forth emotional thing sometimes? What is it about that composure that ultimately kind of gives us the edge over the opponent? Well, like I said, I think it's just they know that you're not defeated. Like, you could give up a, a nuke 
And if you're if you're just back back on the mound, like trying to attack the next hitter, like they don't have any advantage over you, type of thing. And if if I had any like certain drills or anything that I did to like help myself with composure, then I'd obviously share it. But I I think it's just installed in me by my dad and just like my personality and in, in a way. So I think that it's just like comes with me, I guess. Yeah, you can't you can't unteach a ten year old Matt Duffy the composure factor that his dad instilled in him, and that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So I I've been the same way since I was like a little guy. So I mean, it's it's just kind of been continued throughout. Well, bro, I I appreciate your time. I'm gonna let you roll, and thank you for holding down the fort with us today. I. Uh... Thank you for listening to Holding Down the Fort. This is Jimbo Fort reminding you to hold it down. Be on the lookout for our new merch. Anybody who has any questions for the show or for our guests on the show, please email us at holdingdownthefortpod at gmail.com. Follow us on TikTok, Instagram, and subscribe on YouTube for all the latest updates and to hold it with us. Thank you again. We look forward to having you back for the next episode.